This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. reading is from the Old Testament book of Daniel, the prophet, chapter 3. Empowered by the God they worshipped and loved, the three men take a stand and refuse to worship an idol of gold. These words will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king who had threatened them, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants, Of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. The word of the Lord. was the boastful brag of a Babylonian big shot. You've got to be pretty full of yourself to build a statue of yourself. But that's exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar did. And it's next level arrogance to make that statue 90 feet tall and to cover it in gold. And it's exponential egotism 
to gather the people of your nation and require them when the band plays and when the command is issued to fall down in worshiping, in worshiping you. But that's what King Nebuchadnezzar did. And are there even words for the consequences that he laid on the table? And if you don't, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. If you don't, I'm taking your life from you. If you thought that statue was tall, it's dwarfed. In comparison to the height of the haughtiness that came next from King Nebuchadnezzar. You could tell he thought it with the way that he acted, with the words that he spoke. You could tell he thought it, but he actually spoke these words. He actually said, Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? In stark contrast with the fire-hot rage of King Nebuchadnezzar was the calm and cool demeanor of the three men. The king's question was a rhetorical one, but they chose to answer it anyways. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Calmly and faithfully they replied, Ours. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a bold confession of of their faith. And it can be our confession too today and always as we rejoice that the God that we serve is able to deliver us. Listen to the faith that these men had in the way that they responded, not cowering in fear to the most powerful man on earth, not shying away from the heat from the furnace that they knew would be their demise. Listen to what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It was the pride of a pope, the ego of an emperor. They felt like they had a stranglehold on the truth and they weren't going to let go just because of some up-and-comer new university professor. They weren't going to cave. They weren't going to give in. They had worked hard for their positions. They had worked hard for the power that they had gained and the influence that they had over the people, they weren't going to let it go just because some ex-monk from backwoods, Wittenberg, wanted to challenge them to a debate. And so they flexed their muscles and they issued their decree and they made their threats. They threatened Martin Luther with excommunication and even death. They put a ban on his head and called for his neck and then they laughed and said to each other, who can save him from us now? Martin Luther knew the answer. They asked him to recant, to take back the words that he had written and the positions that he had boldly taken. They wanted him to fade back into nothingness They wanted him to lay down. 
But Martin Luther wouldn't and couldn't. He wouldn't fade into obscurity. He wouldn't stay seated and still and quiet. He wouldn't lay down at their command, so instead he stood up. At the Diet of Worms in 1521, at the feet of the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, Martin Luther made his confession of faith with these famous words. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted one another. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Martin Luther knew it. The faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego beat in his chest as well. He knew and he stood on the truth that the God that I serve is able to deliver me. And even if he does not, here I stand on the word of God. Temptation to shy back from bold confessions of faith. They didn't end on a plane in Babylon. And they didn't stop at the foot of an emperor in 1521. Those temptations are are rich in our lives too. They've entered into our lives. The devil has whispered his lies into our ears and into our hearts. Just let her say what she wants. Who cares what she says about your God? It's just her. It doesn't matter. You're just going to create a stink that doesn't need to be created. If you really think so, you can settle things with her later, but now is certainly not the time. You know you better fall in line and start acting like everyone else. Because if you don't, people are going to label you. People are going to find out that you're weird. You better just sink back and fit in. You're really thinking about inviting your neighbor to church? They're not going to say yes. Why would you do it? Why would you put your relationship with them on the line? Why would you make things awkward? You've worked hard to become good friends with them. You're going to risk it just for an invite to church. What are you thinking? (laughs) You're really considering talking to someone about sin? You really think that that's going to go well? You really think that they're not going to come back with an accusatory finger at you? You know they're going to expose your weaknesses. You know they're going to pick at those scabs that you thought were healed. You know they're going to bring out the sins that you try really, really hard to suppress. Why would you even think about something like that? God calls on us to stand up in so many much, much smaller ways than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yet we show every day that we have so much less strength. We find ourselves 
willingly sitting down, laying down even, just to find the path of least resistance, just to find whatever is the most comfortable and is going to create the least amount of trouble. We find ourselves choosing the easy path rather than the path that serves the Lord. That's a truth that we can't ignore and, and a reality that we can't escape from. The fact that we fail to hold to our faith and live bold faith lives every day means that we deserve a consequence far greater than the one that was threatened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fires that we deserve burn hotter and harder than Nebuchadnezzar's and longer to we deserve to be thrown forever into the fires of hell. We deserve to be separated from our God forever. For the times that we choose comfort instead of standing up and speaking, we, we deserve to have comforts taken away and sent to a place where the torture never ends. On our own, we could never obey, never stand up, never please God. On our own, we could never earn anything for ourselves except for death and hell. But we can thank God that we are not on our own. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego recognized that. They knew that God was on their side, and that's why they had the boldness to stand up, even when everyone else was bowing down. That's why they had the boldness to say, we will not worship a statue of gold. Martin Luther knew that God was on his side, and he knew just how undeserved that truth was, and so he stood. Even when threats of punishment and death were coming his way. He knew that God was on his side and he stood in God's strength and he asked God to help him to make that bold confession and to deal with the consequences that might come his way. And we're not on our own either. We could never stand up by ourselves, but with God in our lives and with him in our hearts, we can confess the truth that the God that we serve is able to deliver us. And never has that been on a more bold display than in God's carrying out of his plan of salvation for us. We are frail and feeble sinners, incapable of coming to God, but Christ Jesus came to us. We are helpless to live the life that God demands of us and hopeless to withstand God's wrath. Yet Jesus is our help and our hope. The God that we serve is able to deliver us. And it's more than just knowing that he can. We've seen it happen. Generations of Old Testament believers knew that the God that they served was able to deliver them. They clung to the promises of what would happen in the future. They clung to God's promises that he would one day send his son. And they were saved through their faith in the promise. We are saved through faith in the promise. But faith in a promise fulfilled. We have the benefit of the accounts of our Savior, his birth through the Virgin Mary. We know that he lived a perfect life, the life that we never could live. We know that he willingly suffered, even when it was totally unfair. He suffered for our sake and for our benefit. He was willing to endure it all. Unfair treatment, cruel punishment, 
suffering, even death, for us and for our salvation. He endured it all so that we would be spared. Jesus bled so that we could be covered in his righteousness. Jesus bled so that our sins could be washed away and we could be made pure in God's sight. Jesus died so that we could stand near an open tomb. Jesus died so that our sins would be forgiven and he rose again so that we can rejoice, so that we can have the confidence of a resurrection in our future too. We are heirs of everlasting life because of a Savior who loves us. That's what our God has done for us. Let's talk about what our God has not done. Our God has not promised to take the flames away. And that means that there will be persecution in our lives. It means that we will endure ailments of body and of mind. It means that there will be the pressures to fit in or to please people, even people who are increasingly living their lives in a way that's contrary to the word of God. It means that there will be people who treat us poorly because of the God that we follow. It means that there will be sacrifices for us to make, that the cost of discipleship is one that we will have to pay for being a follower of Christ. Even in the midst of those tests and trials, even in the heat of temptation, we aren't alone. The three men experienced that in a mighty way. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. God doesn't leave us alone. In fact, he gets into the fire with us. The God that we serve is able to deliver us because God is bigger than any fire that we might face in this world. He's bigger than any trial or any temptation. With Jesus in the fire with us, it means that sin cannot singe us. It means that the powers of this world cannot harm us anymore. Our God doesn't promise to take the fires away, but he does promise to never leave us or forsake us. God never promised the three men that they would be spared from Nebuchadnezzar's flames. They confessed the truth that God was able to and then were willing to put the end of the story into God's hands. They were willing to trust that God would do what was right, that God would do what was best for them, but they didn't have a promise. God didn't whisper into their ears, this is how this is going to go. They just boldly left their lives in God's hands. God hasn't promised us that he will deliver us from any, any hardship that we face in our lives. He hasn't assured us that the trial that we're facing right now most definitely will not be the last trial of our lives. God doesn't give us that promise. But he promises to be with us. And he promises to never forsake us. And he promises to bless us as we leave our lives in his hands. God never promised Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that the furnace 
wouldn't harm them. But they did know by faith that one way or another a miracle was coming. Either God would miraculously spare them from sure and certain death, or the flames would do what flames do. And then they'd watch a different miracle. Then they'd watch as their souls were delivered up from earth to heaven, and then they'd look forward to a greater miracle when ashes would be restored into a perfect body and united with that soul to live forever with Jesus in heaven. They knew that it was true, and we know it too. What an amazing way to live a life. When we're facing trials, even big trials in our lives, we can have that same heart and we can have that same boldness. There's a miracle coming. Maybe God will deliver me from this trial that I'm facing or or maybe not. Either way, there's a miracle coming. Either way, I have a promise that I'm an heir of everlasting life. Either way, I know that my body will be restored and that I will live in perfect harmony and in perfect bliss with my Savior in heaven. With that confidence in our hearts and those truths in our minds, we can face the challenges of this day with the knowledge that God is on our side and that he's even with us in the fire. We can put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. Remembering that the God that we serve is able to deliver us means that we have nothing to fear. After all, he's told us that nothing can separate us from his love. It's a pretty remarkable and inspiring truth that comes from the lips of King Nebuchadnezzar. Quite, quite the turnaround from his mockery at the beginning. Then what God will be able to rescue you. After watching the power of God Almighty, after observing the faith that these men had that they were willing to even burn For the sake of following him, listen to what King Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, no other God can save in this way. No other God is as mighty, as wise, as wonderful, as loving as the true God, the one and only true God that we serve. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew it. Martin Luther knew it. And we know it too. My friends, celebrate the truth. Live it every single day. The God that we serve is able to deliver us. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.